millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, a slightly different show to normal after the passing of the UK's longest-serving monarch, Queen Elizabeth II, on Thursday at the age of 96. She reigned for 70 years and had a close relationship with sport, from handing over the Jules Rimet trophy to Bobby Moore back in 1966 to watching her beloved horses race around the world. She was a long-serving patron of the Football Association and all English, Welsh and Northern Irish football and senior Scottish football was postponed at the weekend as a mark of respect. Uh, my two guests today, Jenna Scalacci, former Tottenham captain, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Always great to have you, Jenna. Molly Hudson, football writer for The Times, how are you? I'm okay, thanks. How are you? Yes, very well, thank you. Um, So football paused this weekend and we'll obviously discuss the implications of that and the fact that this weekend's fixtures will go ahead uh, very shortly. But of course, the tributes have been pouring in for the Queen from all quarters, including across the world of women's football as well. I'll just read you. Uh, the England head coach Serena Wiegmann's uh, message. It's with great sadness that I learned of the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. I just wanted to join the many millions of people across the world to celebrate her life and mourn her passing. My homeland has always had a great deal of respect, admiration and love for her. And I know it's a feeling not unique to the Netherlands, but across the entire world. Developing my connection with England strengthened my bond to Her Majesty and I could feel the love the public felt for her a mother figure for people to seek stability and peace from in uncertain times. The national anthem sung with such respect by my players and staff served as a reminder of what she meant to the country. The words send her victorious, a line written on our shirts, but was also in our hearts. This summer, she took the time to write to me and my players congratulating us for our success. In that letter, she called us an inspiration for girls and women. It's you, your majesty, though, who was the inspiration with your unrelenting work ethic, leadership, dignity, and kindness. Uh, really nice words, I thought, there from, from Serena Wiegmann, and also that the Queen wrote to them after their Euro success, Jenna. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the, the lioness has done the whole nation proud, and obviously the Queen, I, I no doubt, was feeling that pride while watching them lift that trophy. So, yeah, it's obviously a really sad time. I thought she was a, a wonderful woman, and, yeah, I think, you know, that the whole country is... is was paying their respects at the weekend and will continue to do so up until the funeral and beyond. 
Yeah, it feels really strange, Molly. We were at Stoke together, weren't we, for England against Luxembourg. And it felt really weird that that's actually going to be the last time that we belt out God Save the Queen. I know it doesn't feel quite real in that sense, does it? Um, I think, as you say, it, it's really nice that the, the Queen actually wrote to the Lionesses and we saw that Prince William also went down to, to watch the Lionesses train, didn't he, and was quite quite involved in, in the final as well. And was uh, I think there was a lovely moment of Jill Scott hugging him as well, <laughs> uh, breaking royal protocol. Uh, but I don't think anyone can say no to Jill Scott. But um, yeah, I think I think they're really lovely words from from Serena, especially as somebody that obviously doesn't come from England either. Um, so obviously, really understood the the kind of gravity of of the whole sort of last week, I suppose. Yeah, it's been a really surreal week, and obviously, you know, I, from a personal point of view, um, I look at her as a as a female leader and an inspiration in that way. And I was on with Hugh Woosencroft on Talk Sport earlier on in the week talking about that because, you know, this is Women's Football Weekly. We talk about women's football on a regular basis. And actually, when you look at, at the Queen as a, as a leader, no matter what your thoughts, because I think it's important to say not everybody feels the same amount of affection as, as others do necessarily for, for the monarchy as a whole. But when you look at her as a woman um, leading the country in what was predominantly when she took the throne 70 years ago, men as advisors, men as people that she had to instruct, essentially, um, you know, what an incredible achievement for her to command the kind of respect that she has done, Jenna. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, she's the original power woman, isn't she? I think it's only when you're sitting down now and watching, I've had the TV on nonstop and it, it, it just, she's so, she's such an inspiration, but I guess you don't realise how much until people go and and that's really sad but we talk about the lionesses and I think it was Leah who put her statement out and she was she was saying how much you know the queen is the inspirational woman here who we all look up to but yeah she's an incredible woman who put who put everyone else before herself and you know even up until her last days like two days before there was the pit picture of her where it's just a beautiful picture you know so right up until the end she was putting the country first yeah, and it was stability, wasn't it, Molly, that 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 she brought to a lot of people. Um, and it, as I say, it does just feel uh, very surreal. But what happened afterwards um, is something that perhaps many people feel uncomfortable talking about uh, because it's still so close to to when she passed away on Thursday. We're recording this on on Monday ahead of ahead of Tuesday, and. You know, it's still very raw for a lot of people, but there was a big outpouring on, and I would say 50-50 in terms of the decision to postpone football across last weekend. Um, so on Monday, today, the FA confirmed all WSL Women's Championship and other women's football fixtures would resume this weekend. So we will, you know, preview the weekend's matches later on in the show but we should discuss the opening weekend of the Barclays WSL being postponed. Uh, six women's Super League fixtures on Saturday and Sunday. Women's Championship matches and the Vitality Women's FA Cup first qualifying round also postponed. Now, it's a very, very emotional topic for many people. There were lots of people who believed that actually that absolutely was the right 
mark of respect. I'm one of those. I'm quite happy to put my opinion on that out there. I do believe it was the right thing to do. However, there are a lot of people who don't think it was the right thing to do. I, I wonder what what both of your thoughts were on it, Jenna. Yeah, for me, I, I, th I think it was the right thing to do. I think, you know, it, 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 respect. And I think it, it was 100% the right call. But I can understand from the other side of the, the coin why people might feel it was the wrong thing to do. And, and I think just in terms of the WSL, the build up to the first week, I think it was just the timing of it. I think obviously so much work had gone on behind the scenes to make this opening weekend and a massive celebration. And, and we had the momentum of the, the Euros win, the amazing work of the Lionesses and, you know, the engagement from the nation. So I wouldn't even say it's a missed opportunity because it's out of everybody's control. Um, it's just a really unfortunate thing. I think like I, where I'm working at Tottenham, I, I see the efforts that go on behind the scenes every day in the build up to it up until, you know, the night before. I see the people, how many people it takes to put on a vet, an event on such a big stage in one of the biggest stadiums, in, you know, in the world. Um, and yeah, that was the opening game of the season and it took a lot of time. It, obviously a lot of expense and a lot of hard work behind the scenes that you wouldn't necessarily know goes into it. So I, I can see it from both sides of the coin, but I, I ultimately I do feel it's the right, it was the right thing to do. I just, I think the timing and obviously it being the opening, the opening fixture was obviously uh, is, is why I can see people pushing back on it. I don't know what the both of you thought, but I think it, it potentially would have been easier for a lot of people, certainly on social media that maybe had a little bit of a problem with it was if football was in line with all of the other sports. Now, obviously it was slightly different in a sense of the queen was the patron of the FA. And uh, as we've discussed, you know, the Royal family are quite visible in terms of their support for football generally. So I suppose there is a little bit more of a link there, but I mean, we saw horse racing, for example, go ahead, which obviously was, was a huge uh, connection to the queen. So I think in that sense, I can see why people were frustrated. I think if everything was just postponed, people would have actually been less frustrated as, as strange as that sounds. Um, but I think uh, Jenna's perfectly right. It is it is unfortunate, I think, is the, the best sort of word you can describe it. Um, it's sort of quite unclear where those fixtures might go. I think, ironically, what this has shown a light on is already how congested the women's football calendar is, despite mm. being nowhere near as kind of big as men's football. Already, seemingly, if you actually look at the available windows, there's, there's barely any in midweek. Um, obviously lots of people on Twitter certainly replied to me when I pointed this out and said, oh, we can play it during the World Cup, but the Women's Super League isn't actually pausing for the World Cup, it's carrying on. Um, so the Men's World Cup, I should say. So, yeah, I think it was just a really difficult sort of um, scenario, really. I'd I'd been involved in a couple of media events in the lead up to that week. We'd, we'd had a a really long chat with the FA about lots of things that was obviously under embargo and sort of has come out and then hasn't come out because obviously the season hasn't actually started. And it does feel in that sense, we have lost a bit of momentum. And I don't think that's unfair to say because it's not anyone's fault, but I just think we have. If we'd have started off in that big weekend, as Jenna says, with that big game at, at the Spurs Stadium at Stamford Bridge on the Sunday, 
on TV. I think the big one now is as it stands, I've been speaking to a lot of people today and, and that that game on Friday that is the new season opener at Arsenal against Brighton is actually on the FA player. It's not on BBC or Sky, which feels like a huge missed opportunity. So yeah, all in all, I completely understand that it was postponed, but it is just a bit of a shame, I think, for the women's game. I don't know if there's maybe a possibility for, although the games are continuing in that World Cup period, whether they could maybe move the big stadium to one of the games that were scheduled during the World Cup, if that makes sense. Yeah. So perhaps, perhaps you know, Spurs, Man United might end up being, um, it's at Leighton Orient now, isn't it? With mm. Um, but Which I don't think the amount of tickets that they sold, they wouldn't fit in at Leighton Orient. So yeah. then you have to think about that as well. Yeah, but so so I suppose like for Chelsea, for example, during the World Cup, I think it's 20th of November, they play Tottenham at home. So arguably that could be a big enough game that could go yeah. to Stamford Bridge during the World Cup. But I mean, that's a lot of ifs and buts and maybes, and I don't know if it'd work out. But I think... As Jenna says, if you're going to get it played this side of Christmas, I think that's the sort of thing you're going to have to do because you're going to really struggle with midweek. And actually, we saw, so obviously the uh, North London Derby on the 24th of September, Arsenal sold, you know, upwards of 40,000 tickets. But we saw last season when they played in midweek at the Emirates, you know, you were struggling to get 10,000 fans there. Mm. You, I think you would struggle if you put those games in midweek. As Jenna says, you know, the, the kind of demographic for for a large number of those tickets, it it just doesn't really work for midweek. No, it's so it's so infuriating. I, I I don't even know what the what the best answer is, and I'm sure you know. I know that everybody's been locked in meetings throughout Monday to try and work out the the best solution. Uh, we shall find out, of course. Um, the funeral for Queen Elizabeth II is held on uh, Monday, uh, Monday the nineteenth of September, and no football obviously will take place uh, then. Uh, and Women's Football Weekly obviously will not be on on air that day either. Um, there are other ramifications as well further down in terms of grassroots as well. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, very shortly with Deb Stillworth from the Football Supporters Association. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others. Former Tottenham captain Jenna Scalacci is with me, as is Times Football writer Molly Hudson. Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Others. Former Spurs captain Jenna Scalacci and Times football writer Molly Hudson are with me as well. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app. So just go ahead and download it today. Uh, now then, the Football Supporters Association made a statement regarding the postponement of matches uh, last weekend. I'll just read it out for you. They say, we believe football is at its finest when bringing people together at times of huge national significance, be those moments of joy or moments of mourning. Our view, which we shared with the football authorities, is that most supporters would have liked to go to games this weekend and pay their respect to the Queen alongside their fellow fans. Not everyone will agree, so there was no perfect decision for the football authorities, but many supporters will feel this was an opportunity missed for football to pay its own special tributes. As usual, the Football Supporters Association will be collating advice about supporters' entitlements regarding expenses incurred relating to postponed games uh, this weekend. I am delighted to say that Deb Stilworth uh, from the Football Supporters Association is with us here. How are you doing, Debs? Hello, how's it going? 
Yeah, very well, thank you. I expect you've had quite a, a busy uh, few days, for, for sure. Um, first of all, the, the statement that the FSA made, I think, echoed many people's thoughts. We were just talking just now, myself, Jenna and Molly, um, that we actually thought it was the correct decision to, to be made, despite the, the impact, obviously. And I know a lot of people won't agree with that. What, what have many fans been, been speaking to you about? Yeah, so I think um, it was a tricky one, as we said in our statement, and there was no perfect decision. Uh, I know that some of our members did feel that it was the correct decision as well, so totally would have agreed with what you were just talking about. Um, but we did find that a, a vast majority of fans were bothered by the fact that um, football was postponed and there was no way to kind of take part in some of the um, first days of mourning for the Queen. Uh, and also, I think one of the most important things that we said in our statement was all about how football is a community. Um, and particularly in the women's game, you know, there's, there's a strong community, um, inclusive community. So I think that a, a number were just um, extremely bothered um, and in a wider picture in and around the women's game, what effects it has uh, on the game. Um, so, in, yeah, a number of fans were bothered bothered by the decision. Yeah, we have been talking about the impact on the game, particularly that momentum that that has been lost. And and if you take out the rights and wrongs of, of of the decision, we are where we are now, and this is what we have to deal with. How how much of an impact is is it going to have? How much momentum have we lost from the summer? I'm going to go with a, a sunny side up, to be honest. Whilst um whilst I think it would have had a bigger impact in different seasons, but because of the sheer volume of impact that the Euros had, the success of the Lionesses, I, I just don't think it will. I think, yes, it's a shame that it has been postponed, but equally it's going to be an amazing open weekend, weekend anyway, because of the su success of the Lionesses. Um, so for me, I feel that there still will be same amount of appetite there'll be a lot of interest um in an in going in supporting um and you heard stories across the summer of people being inspired by the lionesses and women's football in general and I, i'm not sure that will be as um uh decreased as it might have done in in other seasons um so so for me i think yes it, is, it will have an impact but to the extent that we might worry about i'm not so sure and only time will tell once we see the opening fixtures yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. And, and I always prefer to look at things from a positive point of view. There's nothing that can that, that can change that weekend. And, you know, I'm, I'm gutted for everybody who's put an enormous amount of effort into into putting this these opening fixtures on. But, you know, this is uh, I want to say unprecedented event. It's obviously not unprecedented. It's something that we thought would would, would come, you know, sooner rather than later, unfortunately. However, the timing is something that we now all have to deal with. In terms of fans who perhaps have lost out financially, which is really important, you know, there are a lot of people who will have already booked their train tickets, etc. for the weekend. What, what advice have you been able to give them? Yeah, so we have tried to share as much advice as possible in terms of like how to potentially go through organisations to get refunds. Um, and also we're looking to collate as much data as possible. And this is something that we try to do when issue, issues arise. So what I would say to supporters is if you are struggling or you have a particular experience is to drop us a line at the FSA. So then, then we can try and either give you some guidance directly or add it to uh, kind of reports that we try to do to feedback um to the FA so for example we've done that just recently with the situation at Stoke with the Lionesses and there was a situation with the park and ride we've been collecting data in and around that and uh, 
data, sorry, experiences, um, terrible experiences of supporters to make sure that we can try and affect change in these situations. And um, this is exactly the same for the travel situation um, that's going to have arisen with, with these postponements. So try to get in touch with us and look at our social media and our website and we, we offer advice, advice and guidance across the board um, as best as possible. Are you finding lots of people getting in touch and, and requesting that? Um, we on social media, I think we've had a number of approaches. Um, I haven't directly, but I have been talking a lot to our women's game network in terms of just trying to support them to support their members and the wider football community in and around the women's game. Um, but sometimes people aren't quite sure um, and will be struggling with it on their own. So and I think in the women's game, we're still fairly new. So it might be that people aren't aware that they could come to us for advice, which is free. Um, and and so that I just urge people listening to this to, to do that. Yeah, it's quite important. When you mentioned Stoke there, obviously the, the stadium was half full, wasn't it? Uh, you know, half an hour in, in, into the game. Have we, have we found out any more about that? Are, are people likely to, 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 to get any kind of compensation? Um, I, as far as I know, there have been refunds for park and ride um, and for, for tickets to a degree. Um, but what we did for free lionesses and the FSA was that we asked people to send us our their experiences and we compiled a report and then we submitted that to the FA. Clearly something went majorly wrong. Um, and what we want to do is make sure that that doesn't happen again and the supporter experiences are paramount um in terms of import importance um and it being discussed so that it, we can affect change and make sure that that doesn't happen again because if that was your first experience of a, an england game um that wouldn't have been fun yeah I, ju I just wonder obviously we've we've seen today that um liverpool chelsea's kickoff has been slightly altered is that is that the sort of thing that you guys really appreciate and I suppose fans will appreciate that instead of just calling a game off, they've kind of found a, a way around it that still means that the football can be played at a reasonably close time to kick off, but also means that the, the minute silence can be respected. Yeah, I mean, on that one, I think, unfortunately, the 6.45 kickoffs were are notoriously uh, not favoured by supporters um, and it's very obvious in some respects that that has been picked for broadcast viewers rather than for match going fans so for our network it feels very difficult to to support that but maybe the 5 p.m is slightly better but that will be once only it's not like it's moving to 5 p.m to cater for the match going fans 6 45 on a sunday where the whatever mode of transport you travel if you travel distance is really difficult it's difficult to get there and it's difficult to get home um so it now being moved, um, you know, five hours ago, it was announced it was going to be 6.45. Half an hour ago, it was announced that it's going to be moved to 5pm. Within that five-hour time slot, I would imagine that people had hurried to try to get their travel sorted, potentially leaving work or if you have another role in football, you're a coach, you're a ref and you've planned your travelling um, to finish that activity and then get there just before the kickoff. You're now, what, what are you going to do? So anybody that's been affected by that, I would urge you to come either through the Chelsea Women's Supporters Club, the Liverpool um, Supporters Club or through us just to give us your experience on that. Now, again, it's, it's sort of circumstances that are difficult because no we expected this, but maybe not in, not in the way that it's played out. Um, so... 
you know, it's, it's very difficult for decision makers. And we do know there's a lot of people behind the scenes that work really hard. Um, and like these decisions are impossible to, to make everybody happy. But equally, it always seems like the match going fans are last pick. Um, so that, yeah, I, it, it's got it's got good points to it. But generally speaking, our Women's Game Network and our supporters aren't in favour for this kickoff time at all. Yeah, I was just going to echo what you've been saying, really, because um, at, at Tottenham, when we were promoting, obviously, the 12.30 kickoff, we, we we really wanted all of our young players there. You know, it's like the perfect occasion to get the whole club there supporting the first team. But we, we struggled because it was the first, well, we would have struggled, but we managed to come to a, um, an agreement with the team. It was their, our kids' first match of the season as well. So they kick off at like half 10. So they both had away matches, but thankfully we managed to reverse the fixtures so that they could play and then go straight over across the road. But I think even with the Saturday early kickoffs as well and the sun. It, it it must be a nightmare trying to keep everyone happy. And obviously you want the young fans in there, but if they are playing as well, but you've got that clash. I think as well on that point, we always talk about this as a as supporters groups, in that the players and the supporters are often quite aligned in these things. So it's like childcare issues, so stuff that would stop people from going to the game. So that the early kickoffs, the 1230s and the 645, you know, that's bedtime for a lot of kids. So players that are mums, you know, what do they do? And they're sort of put in an impossible dis- position as well. Um, so I think a lot of the player, player fan kind of concerns around these kickoff times are on the same level. Yeah, it's, it's so hard, isn't it? Because, you know, I, I always err on the side of fans, but also as a broadcaster, I understand how it works from a broadcast point of view. And actually, from Sky's point of view, it was almost genius scheduling when you looked at it because the men's game was Chelsea versus Liverpool, which is now being postponed. That was the 4.30 big Super Sunday kickoff. And mm-hmm. it was going to immediately follow Liverpool versus Chelsea in the women's game. I mean, that's dreams in terms of sofas bums on seats watching uh, and the amount of people that would have stayed on potentially to then watch but as you say different for for actual match going fans it's fascinating Debs I could talk to you forever on it and I know that you'll be back with us uh, throughout the season as well keep us updated as to how people do getting uh, money back and and everything else in terms of last weekend's postponements but um, lovely to see you thanks great to see you Deb Stilworth there uh, from the Football Supporters Association. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 with Faker Rudders, Jenna Scalacci and Molly Hudson. Up next, we're going to hear from West Ham women's manager Paul Koncheski ahead of the new Barclays WSL season getting underway. Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Others, former Tottenham captain Jenna Scalacci and Molly Hudson from The Times. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or if you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so you can just go ahead and download it today. OK, we have some football to discuss because... The FA announced today that uh, women's football will resume um, this weekend and we kick things off. The now new season opener, as Molly mentioned earlier on in the programme, is Arsenal against Brighton. It is, however, at Boreham Wood. It's a sellout. Arsenal had been preparing for a massive opener against Manchester City, Jenna, but now it's going to be it's going to be Brighton. Yeah, I think they would have been looking forward to playing Man City. I think getting them early on with all the transition that they've had 
over the summer. I think, yeah, they would have been, really been looking forward to to play Man City. Brian, obviously a, a different ball game, but um, in front of a sellout crowd, new signing, Vivian made our back. I think the Lioness is there. I think, yeah, three points for me for Arsenal. I think they've they've had quite a quiet summer, really, in terms of signings. But I think that shows us the stability that they've had in the squad already. And I think probably their biggest business was securing Maidamar again uh, and not losing her. And I think that's a real sign that, you know, she she must have been in discussions with the club and, and, and probably many other clubs, but she's chose to stay with Arsenal. She she wants to win and she wants to win it with Arsenal. So yeah, for me, I think that was probably their biggest bit of business. As Molly said earlier, it's on FA player, which is a real disappointment. But as you say, it's still going to be a, a cracking game. And I mean, Jonas Eideval always has interesting views, doesn't he, on, on, on fixtures, that's for sure. But Jenna makes a good point in terms of he'll be quite disappointed not to have been able to meet Manchester City early on before they've managed to gel with all their new players. I think it is a bit of a shame in Arsenal's respect. I think we all probably did look at that, that fixture last weekend and think that's a really, really tough one for Manchester City. I think for me personally, I'm quite interested to see how Brighton get on this season. Um, I know it's easy to focus on the big clubs, but what we're certainly seeing over the summer is is the fantastic training facility that, that Brighton have now. They've invested a lot of money into the women's team. And I think, you know, Hope Power will tell you herself that almost the last thing now they need to do is, is sort the bit on the pitch. They've kind of got everything sorted for them off it they've got fantastic facilities you know they're they're really looking forward they've got you know quite a few games at the Amex again as they did last season I think their season tickets are uh, 200% more than last season probably more than that that was a a few months ago now Um, so I think it is a is a tough task against Arsenal but I think kind of looking ahead to the season as a whole I think I'll be interested to see how Brighton get on and whether whether they can kind of build on I suppose it's quite difficult, as as we often say, to kind of break into that real top three or top four, whether they're the sort of team that, that could cause a few surprises against the bigger teams and, and nick a point, maybe. Um, so I suppose it, it could be a potential banana skin for Arsenal to have quite early on. Yeah, I think Brighton are going to do something good this season. We We saw how amazing they were at the beginning of last season and tailed off a little bit with some really uncharacteristic results perhaps from Hope Powell's side, but certainly one of the teams looking to knock on the door of the so-called top three and Manchester United. They face Reading in the early kickoff on Saturday, Jenna. Um, It's going to be an interesting season for Mark Skinner, isn't it? Obviously, Nikita Paris has gone to United. We spoke last week about other additions they've brought in, but they've got some real superstars in in their team and they're really going to think that they can push into the top three. Yeah, I definitely think they've strengthened over the summer. I mean, they've I, for me, I think they've made some really, really good signings. I think where they fell short maybe last season, it was towards the end of the seasons when they were, were in big moments. And the, the 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 one situation that springs to mind is when they were at Arsenal and it was one they were one new up and soon had that one-on-one and she missed it and then made Mar played that worldie of a pass and it was one-one. So moments like that, I felt they fell short. Um, but now the signings of Rachel Williams, who I was a massive fan of at Tottenham, I think she's, you know, she's your hardcore WSL clinical striker. Um, uh, Paris, obviously, there as well. And for me, I think uh, Maya Letizia is a massive signing for them. So impressive with her, like defensively. I think she's, she could be a real dark horse for them this season. But I think they're definitely stronger. I think Toon and Russo will come back like new, 
new players for them, obviously with the confidence they've, they've gained over the summer. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a really exciting season for them. Definitely yeah. potential to knock on that the top three. Yeah, I'm sure Reading and Kelly Chambers will have something to say about that in the in the opening game. They're kind of perennial mid-tablers, aren't they, uh, Reading, which we discussed last week. But um, Kelly Chambers will, will fancy a bit of an upset, perhaps, Molly. Yeah, I think so. I think certainly historically in the Women's Super League, Reading probably were that, you know, we talk about Brighton. Reading were probably that banana peel team, weren't they, that always were really difficult to, to play against. I think... I think they might struggle this season just in terms of if you look at the reinforcements that teams like Aston Villa, West Ham, that sort of mid-table club have all made quite big moves in the transfer window this summer. And I'm not sure that Reading quite have to the same extent. Um, So I think it'll be interesting to see how they get on. Obviously, Kelly Chambers, hugely experienced, um, you know, so in that sense, they're, they're quite well set up. They're, you know, they're prepared at least for what's coming. But I think it'll be interesting to see how it compares with a sort of more stable team and less sort of big names compared to maybe a, a West Ham, for example, who have, have brought in quite a lot of different players from different countries. How will they gel and will it, will it pay off or, or will kind of Reading's approach sort of pay off as the season unfurls? Well, speaking of, of West Ham, actually, why don't we hear from them? Because they have Everton as their new first game of the season. Of course, they were supposed to be at Stamford Bridge up against Chelsea, which was a would have been a real baptism of fire for Paul Koncheski, their new manager, uh, who kicks things off um, at home against Everton. He caught up with our reporter Bradley Hayden last week and admits that since his retirement from playing, it has been his ambition to become a manager. I think that's always been my been my aim from when I stopped playing, you know, and it's probably come quicker than than expected. But um, I'm I'm here now, and I, I want to give everything that I can to this football club, and hopefully this season will be will prove that. I don't know how much contact you have with David Moyes, but has he given you any any tips or, or words of advice? No, not really. I've not had no uh, contact with him to be fair. But listen, if I if I feel like I had to there'd be an opportunity for there for me to go and speak to him obviously but he's he's got he's concentrating on it what he needs to concentrate on and so he's be, he's a busy man and obviously I am as well so I'll 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 be me and I'll let him get on with what he has to do what sort of impact has the the Lionesses winning the Euros had on your squad H- has it given them that extra motivation uh, to try and maybe replicate the Lionesses' achievements and win their own silverware, perhaps, in, in the coming years? I think I'd be daft to say no. Uh, we obviously had some girls at the Euros in different countries as well, so um, there's opportunities there for us to, with our squad now to, to kick on. And we've got some senior ones that's played in the Euros, which can bring can bring that experience back. And we've, and we've brought players in who's got experience, so... Um, it's been it's been massive since the, obviously the girls have won the the, the Euros and it's it's been a massive impact on not just my squad but I think everyone's. Just how much are you looking forward to to playing in bigger stadiums and in front of bigger crowds as well? Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. You know, some some of our players and not just mine, other teams have probably never played at the big stadiums. So it's going to be massive for everyone. Um, I think once you get in them stadium, it, it's listen. It, it's a football pitch. It's a bit of grass. It, it doesn't matter where you're playing. You just need to get on and uh, get on, get on with the game and put your game plan to that. So, listen, we all want to play in the best stadiums, but overall, we just want to play football pitch, uh, football matches, and and do what we're, we're paid to do.
Talking Chesky there, uh, West Ham's new manager. He's going to have a tough task on his hand, Molly, isn't he? Because they struggled last season, West Ham. Yeah, and uh, as I mentioned, they've, they've brought quite a few new faces in. Um, there's a couple of Japanese internationals that have signed. I think that will be quite interesting to kind of watch in, in the Women's Super League. Um, Vivian Asai is a fantastic um, fantastic acquisition for them. So I think it will be interesting to see how those new players gel. And obviously, Paul Konczewski himself, kind of relatively new to the, the women's game, what he will bring to that. I think uh, there was always a team that they did struggle a little bit last season, but they did they did have a, a kind of style of play and identity under the previous manager. And obviously now it'd be quite interesting to see what what Konczewski's kind of going to bring to the table. Um, and yeah, I think that, that first game against Everton now is... Is quite an interesting one. Another team that have that have had a new manager, another team that have had quite a few new signings, and I think maybe getting the win for either of those teams will be a real good sort of nerve settler going into the season. I think I think both of those teams go into that game thinking this is a winnable one. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not sure whether Matt Beard will feel the same. Former West Ham manager, now Liverpool boss, got them promoted from the Championship last season, but their opening game now is against Chelsea. Um, Beardy knows all too well what Emma Hayes and her side can do to, to newly promoted sides. Uh, difficult opener for them, but, you know, he's he's a well-experienced manager. Yeah, I mean, experience, that's the, that's the key word there. You know, he's he's lived it. He's been a, WS, a successful WSL manager for many, many years, and he's brought in that WSL experience into this Liverpool team. You know, you've got Gilly Flaherty now, who he's worked with before. Uh, Van der Seden, for me, is the biggest signing for them. I think, you know, Champions League winner coming in to a newly promoted team. I think that's absolutely massive. You know, she knows how to win. She's been in a changing room of winners. She's got the WSL experience. So I think he's made some really crucial signings. And for me, I think, I think there was obviously Chelsea's going to be a massive, massive task for them first game of the season. But I think, I think they'll settle in quite nicely in the WSL. I don't have too many concerns about Liverpool. Yeah, and of course, Chelsea didn't have the greatest start to last season, did they? But I'm sure Emma Hayes is going to be thinking three points on the board for her first uh, win. Let's see what Liverpool can do in their first outing. Very much looking forward to that. And as we mentioned earlier, that is now a 5pm kickoff on Sky. Uh, that's because of the minute silence at 8pm on Sunday, the day before Queen Elizabeth II's funeral. Just two more Games to get through. Um, Aston Villa, Manchester City. Molly, how do you see this going? I see it as Gareth Taylor thinking that's a much more winnable fixture than, than Arsenal was. Um, so I think he'll, he'll be quite happy if, if no one else. Um, I think, again, like, you know, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but there's a huge number of new faces coming to the league this summer. And I suppose Manchester City is the perfect example of that. There's been such a huge amount of player turnover and I think they've actually made some fantastic signings. They're just, for me, missing a bit in midfield. I think they they kind of lost their three starting players in Georgia Stanway, Caroline Weir and Kira Walsh. And I'm not really sure who who fills that void. So I think, again, they'll, they'll be one to watch this season. I think for me, if I had to make a prediction, I'd probably say United go into that top three race maybe slightly ahead of them just because of the absolute turmoil there um, over the summer. So I think, yeah, Aston Villa will will kind of think maybe it's a good time to play Manchester City, which probably isn't something that Carla Ward might have expected a, a few months ago. So I think it might be one to watch to see how all those Manchester City signings gel together.
Yeah, definitely. Last but not least, let's get the uh, the inner thoughts of Jenna Scalacci of what's going to uh, be Tottenham Hotspur's first match. It's away at Leicester. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously our, all eyes are on the Manchester United opener. I think between the two teams, there's, there is a little bit of in-house rivalry, just given that the promotion to the WSL at the same time, and they've always had that little bit of fierceness when, when it comes to match days. But yeah, Leicester, I think that they'll be going there. Obviously, they've had quite a, a turnover as well, a lot of new faces, but a lot of experience being brought into that team. I think it's no no secret that we lacked in the final third towards the, the, the second part of the season last year and um, it brought in a number nine in Nicola, uh, the Polish striker. I won't even attempt to say the surname. I, get I said it last week and I got oh. it bang right, but I'm not, I'm not sure if I can do it off the top of my head. I'm not it's a lie. tongue twister. It's a tongue <laughs> twister. But no, she. I, I was lucky enough to go on the pre-season tour with them, and she looks she looks very dangerous. She's you know she's she makes runs off the back of shoulders, and she's also she's like six foot. She's a target player. She can hold the ball up and bring others into play. And obviously, you've got Drew Spence now in there, which her experience, you know, a born winner. So. For me, yeah, I think Rianne will have her eyes on three points going to Leicester. Yeah, for sure. Uh, right, this is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faye Carruthers alongside Molly Hudson from The Times and Tottenham Hotspur's former captain, Jenna Scalacci. Next, we're going to round up the rest of this week's news and take a look at the Women's Champion. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Chip. Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Rothers, Jenna Scalacci and Molly Hudson. We are available on podcast as well. Don't forget, plenty of places you can download us. But first, just head to the TalkSport app to find us and you can obviously subscribe elsewhere as well. A uh, few lines because we spoke about Kira Walsh's uh, transfer to Barcelona and it was confirmed uh, after last week's show interesting couple of stories around though Molly that I noticed that 
The Spanish giants Barcelona, where she has gone, have now denied that it is a record-breaking transfer, which I thought was a bit bizarre. Yeah, that is a bit of a strange one because I think we we all, well, the majority of the English media anyway kind of um, reported on it being a, a world record fee. I think obviously there is, in that fee, there are sort of bonus payments to, to kind of reach certain milestones, but I think... When you're Barcelona, you kind of expect them to reach those milestones, don't you? Um, so perhaps that's that's where the confusion has come from. But I think either way, it's a really good move for Kira, I think. And I think it's it's kind of been timed very well with obviously the injury to Alexia Pateas. I think it's maybe a, a time for her to show what she can do on that global stage rather than, I suppose being comfortable she could have stayed could have I'm sure Manchester City would have definitely been delighted to keep her but it's a it's a good chance for her to show what she's made of let's discuss the World Cup playoff draw shall we uh, because it has been made exciting times uh, for Scotland Wales and Republic of Ireland so Scotland open up on the 6th of October in round one against Austria tough match for them that uh, Wales will play Bosnia and Herzegovina and um, Portugal Belgium is the other one and then in round two which is five days later on the 11th of October Portugal or Belgium versus Iceland Scotland or Austria will play the Republic of Ireland and Switzerland or Wales will play Bosnia and Herzegovina um, a real opportunity for some more home nations and the Republic of Ireland, Molly, to, to, to get to the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand? A real opportunity, but as you said there, I think you, you have to feel for Scotland a little bit. They've got a, got a really tough draw there. Um, and I think what we saw in the Euros, actually, that was countries like Belgium and Iceland really sort of punched above their weight. We saw them giving France, you know, really good games. So I think it just shows now the strength and depth of Europe is absolutely massive. And to break into that is is quite difficult because... You look at the players in that Scotland team, for example, you know, household women's Super League names now. Yeah, really important. Um, as is the Women's Championship. And I know that we have a lot of Women's Championship fans who listen to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. And every single week, I feel like I have to apologise for them because we always run out of time and never get to actually discuss in too much depth what's going on in the championship. But actually, this is game week three for them. They've already been playing the, the past two weeks. And I do think sometimes, and, and Jenna, I'm sure you'll back me up here, having played in the championship for, for quite a long time, that it tends to be, particularly now there is a massive amount of success from the Lionesses, that the Barclays WSL gets all the attention and, and lower leagues, you know, miss out. And we see that in the in the men's game quite a lot and I think it's important that the women's game don't ignore what's coming up behind them um, uh, and actually this is fantastic testament to, to Durham because their Conti Cup tie against Manchester United sold out in less than a week which was absolutely incredible uh, they're going to be under the floodlights at Maiden Castle on the 26th of October at 7pm kickoff and, and sold out already which is incredible um but there's a there's an opportunity for, for for the championship this season and they just need to make sure they're not overshadowed yeah i mean I, like you say I, I played in that league and it's a it's a very very tough league to get out of there's some really good t teams in it and i think recently the teams are stepping up another level they're more going into full-time models rather than the semi-professional that we've known i think you've only got to look at crystal palace now we've got off to an absolute flyer they've recruited some they've had a lot of investment they've recruited wsl players with with experience some very well known you know you've got chloe arthur there 
who, who's got a lot of experience. So they've had a really good summer window. So their intentions are that they're not hanging around. They want to get out of that league, but there's quite a few teams on the same level as them now. And I think, you know, the success of the WSL is filtering down to the championship and we just need to keep shouting about the championship and, and, and the lower leagues as well, because it does come from the bottom. You know, you want your leagues getting stronger and that way you pr produce a, an even stronger WSL and, and national team. So yeah, it's, it's so important that we don't forget about the championship because there's amazing work going on like like you've just used Durham as an example they're a fantastic club I remember going down to play them and there's always big big cr crowds there anyway so mm. yeah, fantastic yeah it's going to be fascinating isn't it and you know I, I apologize for a reason because unfortunately when you add in ad breaks and everything else really we only have 40 to 45 minutes to discuss women's football on women's football weekly here on talk sport 2 which is just not enough to to do the other leagues justice um so it's important that we keep retweeting and making sure that everybody knows what's going on uh down in, in the lower leagues even if we can only really give a quick nod but it has been as jenna said a flyer for crystal palace bristol city as well uh, two wins out of two what's interesting about the championship as well is that there's only two clubs backed by premier league teams in southampton uh, and palace and really in the wsl you've only got reading uh, now and it's important that you know other teams who don't have Premier League backing still get uh, plenty of support. Birmingham City um, have a win and a draw since their relegation from the WSL last season. Charlton doing good things, one win on the board as well. Sheffield United and London City and Blackburn Rovers all with a win each. Um, everybody else in the table um, either draws or losses, two losses for Coventry United at the foot of the table at the moment. And the fixtures uh, this weekend, Durham welcome Blackburn Rovers. Uh, Crystal Palace will play Southampton. Uh, these are all on Sunday, by the way. Uh, Lewis FC will play London City. Sheffield United face Coventry United. Charlton will face Birmingham and Bristol face Sunderland so good luck if you're making your way to any of those games it's been a pleasure to have you both on as always Jenna take care good luck at the weekend thank you Molly always a pleasure yes hopefully see you at a game at the weekend maybe I'm sure we will catch up thank you so much to Jenna Scalacci Molly Hudson Deb Stillworth, Paul Kincheski, producer Will, Bradley Hayden, and of course, all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show live, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app, or you can listen back throughout the week. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.